What's up, Grizz Nation? Welcome to the show. This is the Sports Ethos Grizzlies Podcast. It's Candace, it's David, and Isaac. And we've got a lot to talk about. It's been a while, guys. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Wrapping up for these playoffs. Uh, there's definitely a lot going into this. I think this is the most, uh, this is the longest stretch I can remember in a while in terms of how much things can change between now and when playoffs actually start. So uh, really interested to see how things will end up for sure. But uh, but yeah, good, good stuff for me. Yeah, man, doing well, man. Just as Candace said, man, excited that this thing is winding down, ready to get to the playoffs. Been a, a wild season, man, in the West. Still a lot to, to be settled in these last few games. It's starting to kind of get a little bit clearer. It looks like for the Grizzlies, the most likely opponents are – the Pelicans, the Lakers, and the Timberwolves. It's most more than likely going to be one of those three teams. Now, it could be either one of those three teams. There's a lot to shake out there as far as tiebreakers and stuff. I've been kind of researching a lot of that, man, and, and kind of pondering who this opponent's going to be. Um, I'm sure we'll talk about that a little bit later on. But I think more than who the opponent is going to be, is going to be. I'm just concerned about the Grizzlies and the things that they need to do to get themselves ready for the playoffs. So I'm excited, man, and, and ready to get this get this going. Hopefully he can lock up their two-seed tomorrow night. So one of the big things, the biggest question I think right now for the Grizzlies is Stephen Adams, right? The, the, the media has asked Taylor Jenkins on multiple occasions. I was there at – we just talked about this and already forgot who they were playing, the Rockets. At the Rockets game, somebody asked Taylor Jenkins – if there was anything on Adams and he's like, we'll have an update April one. And then, and then you know, we get this BS. This is the start of the reevaluation period. Why? What do they gain from being so cryptic about this stuff? And also if you don't play him before the playoffs, he's been out for about two and a half months. A long time now. Like he, yeah. he's missed a ton of games. He's not going to be in game shape. What benefit do you get from just like him hawing around about it? I, I I don't get it. If this was he's been healthy and we're not sure if he's going to be back by the playoffs, so you're doing this to play head games with whoever you may face. Okay, yeah, I can see maybe there's some benefit from that. But this is the start of the reevaluation period. What the hell have we been doing? Like, what's been going on for the last month and a half? When, oh yeah, you know, we're we're working on it. He's ramping up and this and that. Start of the reevaluation period. Cool. You didn't tell us shit. I understand it. I just don't like it. I understand. So pretty much, they they were ramping up, Stevo. And I guess they weren't liking how things would look or Steve-O was still expressing some discomfort. So they did that uh, injection of cell plasma, plasma whatever, yeah. in his knee and they shut him down. So I get what they mean by like they weren't even looking at him before now because I guess like he so he hadn't been really doing much. He hadn't been doing any sort of ramp up. I don't think I think they're just now seeing, you know, trying to test out what he can and cannot do and go through that process so they're kind of hedging their bets one way or the other but it is probably one of the most annoying things I can point to in with the Grizzlies team for sure um because it's not just this situation it's like this all the time and uh it, it, it's never good when they're ambiguous it, I'll say that in my experience yeah, yeah I was gonna say it, it's always been weird um how they've reported on injuries and as David said I don't 
I just don't know what you gain out of it. Um, it just seems like they play games with it. I, I, I don't understand because you, you just never know. Like, as we said, I think he was ramping up. There was a period several weeks ago where looks like he was about to come back. I mean, Taylor Jenkins even said they were going, they were going on a West Coast road trip. And he said probably by the end of this road trip that we could see him. And as Candace said, I think they're, they didn't, they didn't, they saw something they didn't like. Um, and, and they sent him out to California, I think, to see a specialist and he ended up having a plasma injection. Um, and, and that's kind of what we saw. And I think now they've just decided to kind of reevaluate him. Now he, he had the MRI on Tuesday. I know that for a fact. So they should have the results back to that. But when the injury report came out today, Grizz Nation was kind of holding their breath, hoping you got an update, but nothing, man, still listed as out on an injury report. And, and I'm starting to feel not so optimistic. I was pretty optimistic. That, that he was going to be back, but it, it looks like he's definitely not going to play any, any of these, these last two games. Um, and even if he's back, it's, it's tough because he's going to be been out, I think probably two and a half months at this point. So he's not going to be in game shape and getting, they have a week of practice, but practicing in game speed is completely different. Those are two completely different things, especially when you're talking about throwing him in a high level playoff game. So even if he's back, he's probably not going to be. The Steve Adams, Stephen Adams that we're used to, even though Stephen Adams is not a guy that they're going to be running plays for that does a lot of complex stuff. He goes out there, grabs rebounds, sets screens, and does his thing that way. So he's not a guy that I think will take too terribly long to kind of get back to speed. But first game back, if, if you turn him in a playoff game, I don't really like that, especially coming off a, a knee injury. That, that's a situation where you got to go hard, go hard in the paint, no pun intended. And Coming off a knee injury, man, you don't want to see him re-injure it either. You don't want to put too much on his plate too quickly. So we'll see what happens, man. There's still an opportunity for him to be listed as doubtful on Sunday. I would, I would like to see that because not right now we don't know anything. Uh, they, they're not saying anything. They didn't give a separate update on anything that's going on with him. So not super surprised. I hate how they do it, but I'm not, I can't say I'm super surprised that we haven't heard anything. I expect for something to come out, like Taylor Jenkins said at the end of the week. I expect something to come out, but it's not going to be on the injury report like everybody was expecting. I think they're going to do some kind of statement, you know, like the standard Grizzlies PR statement that's going to update the condition. And uh, I'm with you, Isaac. I, I don't have a good feeling about it at this point because if it was that simple, if it was not complicated, I think we would have heard an update. Yeah. Um, when they start getting squirrely about those injuries, and hardly ever is is, is a good thing. Hardly ever. So I don't know. Um, get nervous about it. I, I think either way, I would expect Steven Adams to come off the bench in the playoffs. If they, you know, let's say they have been, let's say he's been doing conditioning for a week or whatever. Um, and they want to see to the end of the week to see if things, how things are progressing. If things look good, I expect him at, at, to at best come off of the bench. I think we need to lower our expectations for what they expect out of him, especially defensively. Um, so depending on the matchup, that's going to be pretty. Uh, Root for the Pelicans. Root for the yeah. Pelicans. Uh, but honestly, no, I'm, we take I'm not all scared the of Minnesota get. either. Like, man, what, I, what's what's Rudy Gobert going to do? Oh, man, I, I was talking. Rudy Gobert. I was talking like about that, that earlier. I, I I know people what people think about Rudy Gobert, but when you think about being shorthanded in the front court, especially if you don't have Stephen Adams at all, like you you got Jared and X and. You you dealing with Cad and and Gobert? What what happens when those guys get in foul trouble? That's yeah. the the question that I have about Minnesota. I mean, I, I'm not scared of anybody, but I mean, if you get any of those three teams, especially if you're concerned about Adams, the Pels are definitely the one that you want. 
Yeah, I'd agree. I'd say that's the most favorable matchup for sure, just because the. the I think they could beat. Yeah, I was gonna say I think they could beat them. Beat them without Stephen Adams. I wouldn't even if Stephen Adams had to sit out more time, but he was gonna come back later on in the series or in the second round. I think the Pels. I feel good even without Stephen Adams going in there with X. I feel good about Pels because they should have beat them last night. Like even with a shorthanded team, like they, they can they can take that Pels team. I, I think they beat them. Again, even without if Steve Adams doesn't play at all in that series, I think they still beat New Orleans. Nah, I, I ain't scared of any of them. Give me Pelicans, T Wolves, AARP, AARP, man. You you don't like, want that AARP. AARP ain't AARP no more. No, they not, they not still without Steve Adams. No. Not without you. Know, I'll, I'll, man, I, I ain't ducking no smoke, but I'm not. I, I've been talking about I, I, on Twitter. People like you, they want the Lakers, even if. Steven Adams is playing. I'm like, man, I don't know about that. Like, y'all doing too much now. Like, I ain't well, ducking no smoke. But who give me... are they going to stop, dude? Who are give they going to stop? If I got a choice, they got the long fail. wings. They yeah. got Rory Achimura. Tell me which yeah. one of those they got Vanderbilt out there. Chopper. Yeah, Van, they got Vanderbilt. They got Rory Achimura. They got they got some long wings that can that, 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 that can stop. And I just need some protection for Terry. One of those guys are going to and now he's going to guard this Bain. You said, who, yeah. So yeah. I just named. We just named two guys off the top. Yeah, okay. Right? Yeah, but need, like, and then I mean, is not gonna play minutes to LeBron's going to bring defense to the playoffs. He chooses. Man, yeah. Y'all just my, my, you're scared my, of well, what but, used to be LeBron. My, my concern, my concern is Jerry going up against AD right now. That's I think I, I really do think you're discrediting how much Jaren struggles when AD. Yeah, plays. that's that's my question about it. With Jaren going up against AD with no protection, he's that's the X factor, right? Yeah, that's my question. We all yeah. agree Jaren is an X factor. To, for yeah. him to start in round one you, off to that kind of start, it's not great for his confidence, which we all know is easily is we'll just say it's vulnerable. His confidence is vulnerable. Yeah, because you get in there the first quarter and he picks up two two quick fouls and then yep. you got a problem. Because <laughs> I mean yeah. that's and you know how you know how they're gonna call fouls if you're playing against the Lakers. Yep. So like I said, I ain't ducking no smoke, man, but if if it ends up yeah, being the Lakers, right. we got him, but if you listen, if you listen enough, you can hear Isaac and Candace's footsteps running away from the smoke right now. Man, I'm yeah, on the gym. What, what it is is understanding matchups. And we always talk about how I'm important that is. I'm just stirring the pot. I, I agree with a lot of what you're saying. I'm just saying, I think that the, the Jaren thing is definitely something that would be a concern. And he, he has struggled with AD in the past. But I don't give those wins the credit defensively. Vanderbilt, I will. Like, he is I Watching the Lakers games. They, they got nothing for job. They, 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 they cannot. <laughs> they don't have anybody unless LeBron is going to go for job game. And that's its advantage, Grizzlies, because that's going to wear LeBron's ass out. Like, I just don't think they have enough defensively. The defense is better. The defense is better when Anthony Davis is on the floor, but it's you have, you know, like Jitty two point out there that's been going crazy. So I, I I don't know, I don't know that I'm afraid of him. Yeah, I mean, I, I think I feel good about the Grizzlies in any any of those three matchups. I feel like the Grizzlies would emerge victorious. They're just if I had to rank them, I'm going Pels, T Wolves, Lakers probably. If I if I had to rank them, but yep. it's it's just matchups that I, that I prefer, and and then again, it's 
you want to want the series that you can wrap up easier, quicker, yep. uh, gives you more rest. Um, New Orleans also much less travel uh, than, yeah. than flying out to the West Coast or flying to Minnesota. That's probably a 30-minute flight on, on their charter. Uh, so you get down to New Orleans easy. I just think that would be preferable series because I just feel really good about that matchup. I can see them beat New Orleans in five. I know that might sound overconfident, but I, I and even with a lot of the stuff that they got going on, I'm not I'm not concerned about the Pills at all. Uh, yep. I, mean, I mean, with we, or without Zion. Yeah. I mean, we, and if Zion comes back, people keep on talking about what if Zion comes back. Even if he comes back, what kind of shape do you think he's going to be in? He hadn't played in forever. Like yeah, It's not like yeah. he's coming back and he's been in game shape and he's been, and especially him, uh, game shape for him is different than it is with a lot of other people. So I'm not, I, even if he comes back, I'm not concerned about that. Yeah. You, you I have the same questions with him that you have with Steven Adams and, and Zion. Like it's Zion's game is different. Yeah, because of the way that he plays like Steven Adams, you mentioned they don't run a whole lot of offense through him. He does do some high post dribble handoffs. He, he They give him the ball to pass it because he is a good passing big man, but he's not exploding off the floor like what Zion is. No. And so, yeah, that, that's a uh, if he does come back, I think that he would be more of a hindrance than a help. And that's not to downplay the value that he brings to that team. But at this time of year, with the amount of time that he's missed, he's going to need a lot of time to ramp up to get back to game shape. And I just don't know that he's going to have enough. If he is impactful, it's going to be for a very short burst. Yeah, I agree, because it's a, it's a well, weird fit anyway with him on I, that team, with with Jonas, Jonas. I mean, even normal, even when they're playing together, I think it, it can take away at times because you, you saw what Brandon Ingram was doing last night, getting out free free movement when when you add Zion and it, it just brings a different dynamic to their team and it changes kind of what they do. Uh, and especially uh non one hundred percent Zion, if you're trying to force them out there, I, I just think that would kind of mess up kind of some of the stuff they have going on right now. Well I, I agree but I don't agree. So I, I'll say this. Zion I think has proven when he's back on the floor there there's not really been this huge adjustment period for Zion when he comes back from however long he's been absent so I I feel pretty confident he'll come back and still be able to average 20 or 20 points per game I I don't think that's the question um but I think that the that the Grizzlies figured out how to guard him you know putting him on Dylan with Dylan yeah shut him all the way down so a lot of my reasoning to, to my saying with or without Zion is that if Zion is back we got a plan for him, and yeah, he won't be at 100%, and he won't be at his max, but I still think he'll be able to be a valuable contributor. Now, it's a good point about the spacing, because I've always thought that was a quirky spacing, but honestly, I think Jonas is going to get set anyway. Yeah, they <laughs> like, played him off the floor last night. Yeah, <laughs> just like he basically got played off the floor when he was on our team, I, I expect Jonas to not really be a factor, so for that reason, I'm not going to count that as much. Zion will still be a factor for other teams, but I just think the Grizzlies have a pretty good plan in place to kind of, you know, negate that somewhat. Now, I think Brandon Ingram was missing from that, so you do have to figure out how to attack all three of those guys, and the defense has definitely got to be on point for that. But I think you can you I think you can sort of make that work. Um, I think the Grizzlies have enough with Luke Kennard, the addition, to be able to kind of counter some of those threes. That was huge in that Pelicans game, not having Luke to be able to knock down some shots. I think he Luke makes one or two threes and like that. That's it. Like that's <laughs> that's the game. He can counter. Uh, he, he can definitely go in, in a shootout with anybody. Uh, him and Bain. So, uh, no, no real worries. That definitely be the best fa- favorable matchup. But uh, let me ask you: um, Are the Clippers out of play officially? 
Yeah, they're they're pretty much what that what that went last night um, against the Lakers. They're they're pretty set that they they'll be out of the play in. So they're they're pretty much Warriors are better are bigger. There's a bigger chance that you end up playing the Warriors than the Clippers. Clippers are pretty much they're going to be fifth or sixth at, at this point. Interesting. They have the same record. Clippers and Clippers and the Warriors. Okay. I think, the Warriors, I, think I saw uh, something about somebody. I was going to say the Warriors. I think the Warriors. I think the Clippers have the tiebreaker over them. So that kind of. Makes it with a couple games left. I mean, I guess there's still a slight chance it could be the Clippers, but I think a lot would have to, like a lot of those teams would have to lose because right. I think they, I think they have all the tiebreakers if, if I'm not mistaken. Oh, okay, okay, that's yeah, what they, they would essentially the Clippers would have to lose out from here. Yeah, it would have to be in order okay. to fall. I'm real crazy. Yeah, I okay, gotcha, gotcha. Okay. All right. Well, there's definitely a lot to get into. Do you guys want to actually talk about some of these games? I know it's been some. Uh, Spent a lot of these guys. We talked about these front courts so much, and we haven't talked about the fact that uh we we kind of lost Santi there in that in that Pelicans game, and unexpectedly, uh, he and Larry Nance got tangled up, and right now Santi's listed listed as doubtful for the Bucks game. Yeah, um, I'm. I don't know that I'm super concerned about yeah. that. I think they're just being cautious heading into the playoffs. The Jenkins has mentioned many times that, that you know they they want to be healthy getting there and. I feel like if this was a situation, you know, you see the, the Bucks injury report and there's like Giannis, Lopez, Middleton, Portis. Grayson Allen, like there's a laundry list of Bucks that are going to be setting out. And so you see that and, and doubtful doesn't mean necessarily that he's not playing, but I think after the, uh, after the Bucks released their injury report, that's, you know, Santi's, not going to play. If the Bucks were playing everybody, I think that we would see Santi in this game just to try and lock up that two seed. Yeah, I'm not super concerned about it. When I saw he was listed as doubtful, that was actually a positive sign to me. If there was anything really going on with it, I think they would have listed him as out. So that that makes me feel good about it. I, I think they'll have him in the playoffs because they're listing him as doubtful, and you still even have a another regular season game after that on Sunday. Yeah. So I, I think Sonny would be fine. And then he even played. He continued to play um, in, in that game even after he got hurt. I think if that was probably a different point in the season or a game that they were really locking in and they had to win, I think he probably would have played last night. So I, I'm with David. I think it's I think it's for precautionary. But, yeah, it looks like he banged up his elbow a little bit, got t- tied up with Larry Nance there um, and, and, and kind of got injured. But uh, one stat, and I tweeted this out before we came on here, how – amazing it is that this was only a seven point game is the Grizzlies with their discrepancy from three from the three point line and free throw line. The new Orleans Pelicans were plus 37 points. Uh, when you combine their free throw, having the, the 10 point advantage in free throws and a 20, will that be 27 a point advantage, um, in three point shooting and the Grizzlies lose this game by seven. And if wasn't for a dumb technical, they got rescinded. They win this game outright, um, in, in regulation and they lost, the free throw line three points by 37 points. I mean, that's pretty remarkable. If you get outshot like that and still still probably should have won a ball game, that's pretty amazing. Uh, so even though they lost this game last night and it's kind of become a trend, you go back to Chicago game, lose a big lead there, didn't play well against Portland. I think there's some things that you can take out of this game as positive because I really do believe that everybody played in this game, they would have won that game last night. I don't think there's any question. If you got Luke Kennard and Jai out there, I think they probably won that game last night going away. I think yeah. you may, maybe even just one or the other if you have Jai or Luke. Yeah. Go ahead, Candace. I, I just wanted to punch that in there. I'll, I'll go after you. 
Yeah, no, no, I, I completely agree. This, that, you know, I'm generally a person that no matter how they won or how they lost, I try to focus on what, what exactly happened. And there were a lot of good things in this loss. So this was a loss that didn't really concern me at all. You would have liked for them to win. Because I'd say the only thing that I that you don't like to see is them getting bombed from three from the three-point line, yeah. which they did just to tag off guys. And <laughs> same bad play over and over. Yeah, it, same play over and over. But then you got to think about who the guys they were playing. You know, Kenny Lofton played 22 minutes. I think he had a lot to do with those bad rotations. Hey, man. Hey, hey, fall off my guy, man. Hey, I, <laughs> hey the rotation switching is still the area of improvement. <laughs> yeah, like I think that it was kind of – you can look across the board and even outside of Lofton, there were a number of times when Trey Murphy was going well, like he was running hot and Dylan was on him. And then they get a little bit of ball movement, and Dylan is yep. 12 to 15 feet away from Trey Murphy. And when a guy's shooting the ball the way that he was shooting it last night, he was, you know, seven for 13 from three, almost 50% on third, you know, third. Well, that is over 50%. My math is terrible on quick math, but, you know, when he's shooting the ball that well, you have to be guarding him. And it wasn't just those secondary guys that were that was missing assignments, and so yeah, I'm not overly concerned about this game because there were guys setting out, but there are trends that have happened not just in this game that are things that that I have concerns about. And if it's a playoff game, do we see those things? The answer to that I think is no, but I I just worry about are these bad habits that we're seeing yeah. are, are these things that are going to rear their head. The having the big lead against Chicago and losing that game and then having the lead against the Pelicans and losing this game, are we going to see this repeat itself in the playoffs where they get out against the team and they get a big lead? Because you know in the playoffs, teams are not going to stop. They're not going to fold. They're not going to give up. They're going to keep pushing. Are we going to see the Grizzlies get out to a big lead and then kind of – shifted into cruise control and it come back to bottom in the playoffs. I hope it doesn't happen, but I can't say that it's not a concern. Yeah. yeah. I feel better about the starters when it comes to, I think the one thing that kills them is just that three point defense. They just sag off their guy. I mean, everybody doesn't have to collapse the paint. You have, you know, four guys in the paint and of course you're going to have somebody wide open from three. So really it's a simple fix and it's a fix that I think they've gotten better at. Cause that used to be a real problem of, I'd say, you know, especially like the month of January, February, those are really bad things. I think I've seen some improvement in March um, and, and small time in April. So that's why I'm not going to freak out. It is an old habit. We're in its ugly head, but I think they've done whether it's just playing their guys more lately. I don't know the starters more, a little bit more than they have in the past. They It seemed to be a little bit better in that regard until last night. Yeah, what about Herb, Steph Curry Jones last night, man? Where where'd that come from? Like, he's hitting everything last night, man. Guy usually can't can't throw it in the ocean, man. But he shooting basketball last night. Um, he got hot, man. That's one thing you – He's a you, these are all NBA players. Yeah, these, him, bro. yeah, these are all NBA players. You leave them open, man, and they get hot, man. They can they can make shots, and I think that's what we saw last night. As far as the three point defense, I think it, it would it, it would definitely be better. I think if we had Stephen Adams, uh, I, I think that would help in that regard. But I'm not super concerned about it. I, I just I feel like they will flip a switch uh, on, on certain things when you get into the playoffs. I think you'll see. Better perimeter defense, um, especially over there, but especially against the Pelicans, man. That's not a team that you really need to be collapsing the paint on all the time. I mean, it was yeah. it was pretty bad. I mean, they had those three point sliders at ninety nine 
uh, just felt like they couldn't miss a shot at that end of the third quarter, man. They just, just bombing away, man, from three and, um, just a wild game at the end. I mean, Jared steps up, knocks down two clutch free throws. I tweeted out, I hate those situations where a player goes to the line. I um, mean, there's like no time left on the clock. You got to make those shots because usually they end up missing one. Um, and Jared had missed a couple early in the quarter, man. I didn't feel great about it. I was like, man, he's a miss one of these. I hate this for him. He ended up knocking him down, man. But I think they ran out of gas. Um, in overtime, Justin Havitt, man, New Orleans came out here, two quick threes, and that was pretty much it. Uh, but they fought in this game extremely shorthanded because you already shorthanded. Then you lose Santi as well. Uh, these guys playing major minutes. I mean, you look down the line. I mean, Ty's 43 minutes, uh, Bain 43, Dylan Brooks 38. He would have played more than that if he had fouled out. Uh, Jaron Jackson Jr., 41 minutes. Uh, even the guys off the bench, uh, Kenneth Lofton Jr., got 23 minutes mm-hmm. last night. So everybody playing major minutes, man. I think they just kind of ran out of gas in the end, but I'm not. Super concerned about this game. The Chicago, the Chicago game concerned me a little bit, but I, I'm not super concerned about this one. So going back to the, the game before the you know second game of back to back, they played. A, man, I won't even like call it a C, like it, it, it's not even a C squad for Portland. <laughs> like. This yeah, was, that was a B squad. They got guys on the street. The end of the end of the end of the bench. Like this was guys eleven through fifteen, and then like a pickup game for the rest of these guys. And they're playing with their food. It was yeah. When, it was, when I sat down at that game, there were uh, two fans that came up and they were wearing Dame jerseys. I'm like, I'm about to give them the business, <laughs> and I couldn't do it. Couldn't all do it, long because Portland was there. And that girl, like one of the the girl that was with them, she turned around. She's like, I thought you were going to talk trash this game. I'm like, I can't even say nothing. We, we can't even beat the, the you know the the C squad here. And she just started laughing. She's like, Yeah, this game shouldn't be that close and, and it was perimeter defense in that game as well. You know, I, I don't remember, I don't have the box score up for that game, but I just remember a number of different times Portland getting looks where it's like, man, wh- where was the defender for that guy? Oh, and yeah, it, it was, yeah, yeah. Four, four, six, three, man. <laughs> who was four, it? Six, who? Skylar Mays was the guy. Ain't nobody ever heard of Skylar Mays. He, they, four, signed six, that day. they signed him that morning. Like yep. he wasn't even on the team the day before he they signed him that morning. And he Led came out of four six three. Yeah. <laughs> so that's how bad that was. Like you said, that wasn't even the C squad. That was the D squad. Like that I think mm-hmm. I don't even think those guys, a lot of those guys weren't even on their G League team. They they yeah. signed two guys, I think, that day that had never never played so for the I've, I've heard of Skylar Mays. I was being facetious. But this kid, Justin Minaya or whatever, I, I I'm sorry, dude. I know I'm butchering this. Minaya. Manaya, okay. yeah. I, I like they were announcing it weird at the forum, and I was reading. I'm like, anyway, so I, I butchered it. I don't even know. I I was sitting there, and I, I told the dude sitting next to me. I said, "Somebody weird is gonna have." I said, "Drew Eubanks is probably about to have twenty or ten tonight." That's who I it's said before be the game. Somebody, I was like, yeah. somebody's gonna go off, and it ended up being Skyler May, Shaden Sharp. He had Bar Walker had a good game. Yeah, he did, and I was I was happy about that. I obviously wanted the Grizzlies to win, but Jabari Walker was a guy that I liked when we were doing the draft coverage stuff. And in these games that you see them losing or in these games against teams that they should be blowing out, it's the same issues rearing its head. 
And now, like, the ship's not sinking. The Grizzlies are in a good spot. With the Bucks setting everybody, they should be able to lock up. The you hope. You hope. But, you know, it, it's the, the Bucks are in cruise control with the one seed in the East. The Grizzlies should be able to lock up the two seed. But you still, there's still things to fix. And I know you want to be playing your best basketball at the end of the season. I, I don't feel like we've seen the best basketball from this team. No, but I think it was always going to be hard to see the best basketball from this team at this point, just between Ja's suspension and Jaron's ascension and then them trying to reintegrate Ja back into the lineups, the whole Steven Adams thing, you know, in the best case scenario. that There still just would have been some wonky things chemistry-wise with this team, but you know, the reason I'm okay with that is because that's almost the case across the entire Western Conference. So, you know, the Lakers, that team just got made at the trade deadline. Uh, <laughs> this, uh, you know, KD and, and Devin Altay's super plug and play, but there's still questions about that. So <laughs> if chemistry is the question, I, I'm, I feel pretty good that that won't hurt them too badly, we hope, come playoff time. Yeah, because I guess Candace said Phoenix is kind of – Really hadn't had much time at all uh, with KD and how big he's going to be for that team in the playoffs. I, I think that's going to be kind of tough to do um, and, and get the most out of uh, what that roster should get. Um, and you talk about the Lakers, they threw that together at, at the deadline and they have their own issues. They have injury issues at times. They're older. Um, and I think with the other teams, I think the Grizzlies are just more talented than those other teams when you talk about New Orleans and, and Minnesota. So I think if they can even get to 70 or 80% of of what they are. The Grizzlies, I'm saying, I think they can win those series. So I'm not super concerned about it, but th- those are some concerns. I mean, you, you talk about Josh coming back, and I've talked about it. I've been in the Twitter spaces a lot. Uh, shout out to EJ um, and Memphis Wilcox that run the Grizzlies. Twitter spaces, I've, I've been in those, yep. and I've talked about this a lot, about the Jai and Jaren dynamic. And I've seen some of this since Josh come back. I, I think Josh's having a bit of an identity crisis. I think you really saw it in that Chicago game. I, I think he he wants to be this. He, he He's always just wired to be this alpha male superstar. But during that time he was out, he talked about how much he watched and sat back and watched. And he saw Jared cooking. He saw Dez doing his thing. And I think at times, and I think this is why we've seen his turnovers go up and, and a lot of stuff, especially late in games and late game execution, I think he's trying to decide, okay, should I attack here? Should I defer to my teammates? And I think he's thinking a lot on the floor. And I kind of hinted at that before he came back. I was like, I hope I want him to to get the ball to Jared because this team, in order for them to reach their ceiling and, and win a championship, especially in the playoffs when the court shrinks, you're talking about half-court basketball, Jared has to be a big part of that. And, and we've seen what he could do. You saw it again last night. Uh, no John, you saw, put up a 40-burger last night. That probably doesn't happen with John on the floor, which obviously John's going to score his 20. So you're going to take a, take something out of that. But we've yet to see those guys really dominate at the same time. And that's the big question is how do you get both of those guys, get the max out of them, <clears throat> excuse me, in the same game um, and consistently? Um, I, I think that's the biggest key for this team in order for them to reach their ceiling. And we just haven't seen it. And then you throw the Steven Adams stuff on top of that. And they've been – in and out of lineups, resting guys. You've had a, a different crew night night after night, so it's going to be interesting to see how they can put all this together. In the first round, I'm not 
as concerned about it, and maybe you can play your way through some of this stuff. Um, especially if you get like a New Orleans, I, I think they'll be fine and get more practice time. You got more games under your belt, high level games, and they can work through some of this stuff. But those are some of the questions that I have going to the playoffs. But that's what I've said about this team. It's I think their their path to a championship it's it's on them. I, I worry more about them and themselves than I worry about who their opponents are because I fully believe that if this team plays at its peak level, that they can compete with anybody in the league. I, I don't think there's any question about that, but they just have to figure some of those things out, and they don't have a lot of time to do it, and probably they're going to have to do it into the playoffs. They're still going to be working on some stuff in their first-round series, and that's just that's going to be the interesting thing to me. To, to your point, Isaac, I, I think that's a lot of what went wrong with the Trailblazers game. I think, you know, especially in that fourth quarter, you just saw it was just – that job that identity crisis trying to figure out now I, I think it ultimately ended up being a pretty good result sometimes you did see Ja it kind of ignored Jaron but sometimes you saw him defer to Jaron and, and pass the ball and do a post-entry pass uh Jaron ultimately ended up leading the team in points in the fourth quarter which is what you want to see he had seven points in that game well actually no sorry Des had nine points uh, Jaron had seven points but that's what you like to see I mean, Ja was really more of a distributor kind of in that game and, and really just play more off ball and kind of let those guys do their thing. And maybe it, that was a promising sign to me. I think if Ja can be himself in quarters one through three and kind of defer just because everybody knows in quarter four, what's going to happen just to throw some teams off, but let, let Dez cook, let Jaron cook. And I think that could be very effective. So as sort of the wonkiness that I saw, just some chemistry turnover issues, uh, hopefully they can work that out. I especially I agree with you. That's kind of why I want like a weaker opponent in round one to give them some time to really work this stuff out. Um, and then we could take on the Warriors or the Lakers or whoever. Um, but give them some time to work that stuff through. But that's why I'm not panicking about that that game either for that same reason. Yeah, David David was at the game um, against Portland. The two catches. There were a few people that said that late in that game that John Jaron had a conversation that Jaron was saying. Basically, give me the damn ball. I didn't catch that, but a lot of people said it happened. Yep. Mm, I I did not, man. So, like, if that conversation happened down by the Grizzlies bench. Yeah, you're on, you on the other side. Yeah. yeah, I was sitting by the visitor's tunnel, so I, I didn't see that. But I, I'm okay with Jaron saying that. Oh, I've, 100%. I've said it, it multiple times. I think that. In the fourth quarter, the offense should run through him. One hundred percent is such a mismatch for these other teams that, and I know like his passing is not as good as what I would like for it to be, and that's that's not terrible, you know, like that that can get better. But I think that his decision making is good enough, and his ability to take guys off the dribble, or if he gets a smaller man on him to post him up. Like his growth this season has made him, I think, what should be the go-to guy. And I, I mentioned that to somebody. Uh, it wasn't at the the Trailblazers game, but it was at a previous game, and they just kind of looked at me funny. They're like, "No way, Jaws the closer," and I'm like, oh, we, can uh, we, "We can agree to this." Yeah. And like, do I want Jaws out there making decisions in the fourth quarter? Sure, I'm I'm good with that. He's your star player. Ninety-nine times out of a hundred, he's going to make good decisions. But is he going to always defer when he needs to? And, and and I don't, like right now, I question that. And that's, it feels weird to say that because last year at this time, I wasn't questioning that at all. But because of the things that have gone down and just kind of 
what we've seen from him recently, it's something that that is just there for me. It's it's like, okay, what are we gonna see from him if these teams are playing him as the guy that's gonna take over in the fourth quarter? Is he going to be willing to defer to these other guys who are more than capable? And that's a that's a growth thing. That's something that all good teams that transition into great teams, that's what they have to figure out. And, and I always, when I have this conversation, I go back to the big three in Miami when LeBron and Bosh and D-Wade went together. That first year when they lost in the finals, they had no business losing to that team, but they also couldn't make up their mind who was going to be the closer. Once they figured out who the closer was, that's when they went on the run and won multiple championships there. And I think that that's what this Grizzlies team needs to do. They need to be like, okay, this is our closer, and everybody else just be on board with it. And that closer, in my opinion, should 100% be Jaron. Well, I I will throw in this caveat. Against the Lakers, I I think that they might be better off featuring a Dez and Kennard combo. Uh, just because I think Jaron, again, I worry about that matchup, and I think AD may be probably the best equipped to stop Jaron. I can see Jaron making a lot of turnovers, and given the pressure pressurized situations, AD is already a ton of matchup against any other team. I think that Jaron, all things should go through Jaron because it is a mismatch, but it's not a mismatch against the Lakers. And I think that I'm not really sure if the Lakers have the guns to to outshoot a Dez and Kennard lineup. Uh, but they know they're prepared for Ja. They scouted for Ja. And Jaron, it's easy enough to scout for him, given that it's not a mismatch type situation. Yeah, I was going to say the Lakers are a series where you could see Jaron get into foul trouble really quickly. And that's what you don't want. because And that's the big thing. Like In order for that to happen, even if you talk about somebody else other than the Lakers, Jaron has to stay on the floor. I think that's paramount yeah. for this team that he doesn't get in quick foul trouble because a lot of times, even if he's able to come back in and doesn't necessarily foul out early in the fourth or anything like that, he loses his confidence when, when he gets into foul trouble and he just, you get this version of him that's frustrated and it's just a different version of him, uh, than, than when he's not in foul trouble. Um, I, I would Candace with against the Lakers, I think John using Dez and Kadard, I think are, are the best matchups in that, in, in that series because he just struggles against AD. I mean, most guys struggle against AD. The size, it's not really a mismatch, and he's not just throwing it, dumping it down in the post to Jared. He's going to continue to score on, on AD. That's not going to work out like that. So, uh, But there was a situation, um, there was a, a play at the end of that Portland game where Jobs at the top of the key dribbling the basketball. Jared had Eubanks sealed. He was calling for the ball, and then he went away and then even resealed uh, Eubanks and he still didn't give him the ball. And then Jaron eventually came out to the three point line and then he gave him the ball there. Like that's, that's the kind of stuff that I'm talking about, man. They, they have to figure that out. And I don't know what it is. Um, I was talking to somebody about this the other day and they was like, well, Josh really never played with, uh, a, a great big man. He was in somebody mentions Zion, but that was way back in AAU. It wasn't on his high school team that he's never really played with a guy that he has to throw that post entry pass to. And as a team, this team outside, the only person that really, does it is Dez. Tyus Jones doesn't do it much either. He used to do it with Brandon Clark, but he doesn't really do it when he's in there with Jared. Like for some reason, they just don't feed the post the way they need to. And another thing that Tyus has stopped doing is that cross court pass. Uh, they, the New Orleans kind of set on that the other night. They picked it off two or three times. I, I remember, man, he keeps making that cross court pass, especially in playoffs. You can't make that pass, but neither one of our point guards do a good job of, 
of getting the ball in the post. Uh, I, I've noticed that Tyus is not great at it either, and I, I just don't know what it is because uh, we see it, and we've been talking about this with Jaron for years, and I know Taylor Jenkins sees it, um, and he definitely saw what Jaron can do during the time when Jaw was out. I, I just don't understand why you'd go away from that. It, it is just it, I don't think it's a coincidence that Jaron had this huge night last night and Jaw wasn't there, and I hate to say that because you we all know how important Jaw is for this team, but it's just – like they, I just wish that they could find a way to get both of those guys going, like really going at the same time. Because if they could ever do that, this team is going to be basically unguardable. There's not going not to be anything that you could do about it, but we just haven't seen that enough. They had big numbers. Both had big numbers in the Chicago game, but it wasn't really in the way that you wanted. It wasn't really efficient. It wasn't kind of the way you want to see it that, that leads to winning basketball. So uh, that that's a big issue, and I, I just think that, that's what really unlocks this team's team ceiling. If, if they, the two man game between John Jaron, if they can figure that out, they're they're going to be hard to beat. Well, I'm not sure because they used to feed Jonas in the post a lot. So, in fact, that's one of the reasons why they brought on Stephen Adams is so they didn't have to feed the post as much. And maybe there's just a reluctance to go back to that style of basketball at times, perhaps maybe more than anything else. Because I mean, a lot of times that first play, you can guarantee Jonas was getting a touch. They would kind of start off the games what? like that early on. I guess because I guess maybe because that's basically all Giannis does. Uh, Jared King does cover. I mean, Giannis will step out every every now and then, but I guess that's just his game. But again, that that to your point, did him doing it to Giannis, you definitely should be doing it to Jared. That shows you that they have the ability to do it. Mm-hmm. Just for some reason, they're just not doing it, and I don't, not doing it enough. And I don't I don't know what it is. I think it's part that Taylor Jenkins likes a free-flowing offense, and they don't really like to run the sets as much. They like their transition basketball, but that's not transfer. Excuse me, Especially in the playoffs. The playoffs, right. Yeah. So I think they've done a better job of fixing those areas, but then it still looks quirky. And Jenkins is like a player empowerment coach. So to some extent, you know, he kind of lets Ja sort of figure this stuff out on his own. And yeah. then you see it's Ja trying to figure this stuff out on his own. I think it's <laughs> yeah. pretty I think it's pretty clear. But uh, I wanted to go back to a point that uh that David made about Ja not being the closer. And it's not just been lately. Ja has been bad in the fourth all year. And I said something on Twitter. It was very controversial at the time. Well, I guess people would still think that it is. But I said that he's kind of been Westbrook, like Lakers Westbrook bad. And so people thought I was exaggerating. So I pulled the numbers, right? And, and John, the fourth quarter, shoots 36% from the field, 17% from three, 60, 67% from the free throw line. He's a negative uh, 1.1 on the court. Uh, I'd also be interested to see what is what he averages turnover-wise because it's it's yeah. been bad. It's been yeah. bad. That that then that has gotten worse. Westbrook shoots fifty five percent from the field. I mean, sorry, not fifty five percent, forty five percent from the field. Still not good, but like thirty six to forty five. I mean, yeah. Westbrook is shooting thirty two percent from three in the fourth quarter, and Josh shooting seventeen. So I mean, it's not just I. I really think it's mental with Josh. It's really all been mental, and it's been a really tough year for him. It's been a tough season. We, we're just now finding out how tough of a season it's been for him, but I think a lot of it is just mental because he has these incredible third quarters, and it's like the fourth quarter comes, and it's like he hits a brick wall. And to me, that's not ability. Like We've seen Ja be his best in the fourth. I just think it's all like I don't know if it's the pressure. I mean, he used to embrace that pressure. I don't know if, like, if that was all vibrato, and that's not really like – how he feels about it, I, I don't know, but uh, that's something that I'm be interested to see in the playoffs and see how that translates. Will Ja defer to his other guys and let those guys who Des has become a closer? And 
Jaron has become a closer, will he be able to let those guys um, take it home? His ability to adapt is going to be it because there's going to be times when he needs to take over. Yep. And there's going to be times him taking over is being able to defer to them. Like it's, I know that like that comes out. I don't, I don't know. I guess struggling with the best way to say that. Like there, there's times when he's going to need to be the offense, the guy that goes out and yeah. gets the you, bucket. You got to call 12 at points. Yeah. 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 We're, we're going to have to call 12 sometimes. And other times, He's gonna have to get it to Des. He's gonna have to get it to Luke or or, or Jaron, and and that's okay. And is ego gonna be an issue there? I, I don't, I don't feel like it is. But also, you know, going back, we we've talked about Dylan Brooks at length on this show, and going back to your comfort zone when when the pressure is on, you go to the things that are comfortable to you. Is John Morant going to be comfortable enough deferring? Or is he going to feel like he has to take over? It has to be call 12. And that's something, you know, we're not going to have the answer to that until the time comes. Yeah, because when when you're, when you're he's deferring to the teammates, you you got to give defenses something else to think about. Uh, that's why they struggle in late games this year, because they know that they're going to call 12. When If he starts picking his spots in there, but he's also getting the ball to Jaron in the paint, getting it to Dez, getting it to Kennard, they're knocking out shots. It, it gives defense something to think about and being multifaceted like that makes you much harder to guard. There have been times in, in this year where we've seen how easily teams could guard them in the fourth quarter because, again, you just know what's coming. And, and Jaws like, okay, well, I got to take over. And especially without Steven Adams, it wasn't even it wasn't even great this year with Steven Adams, but it's even been worse without him because he Jaws doesn't have those same driving lanes and he still tries to go in there, force it one-on-three and misses it, turn the ball over, just tries to go up over people. He's hunting fouls at times when he doesn't get them. Then he's been streaky at the free throw line this year. It just hasn't been good, man. Um, but when when he gives them those defenses something else to think about because he's the master of all this. I mean, they're going to converge on him. He can kick it in the paint and kick it out. I mean, there's so many things that he can do to to make this offense more potent in, in the fourth quarter. And But there are going to be times, like David said, where you call as well, but there are going to be other times where the best move for, for him is to defer to his teammates. And having that balance, that makes this team all that more dangerous. Just, just to add one final point to touch on this, and uh, Dave, I'll let you add any final thing you got to add to this talking point. But, uh, you know, we've seen the, the maturation of the players, especially like we see downhill days now. Like that, that's a huge thing. And it's, it's been great for this team. I would be massively impressed by not just Ja, but by the coaches if they figured out off ball Ja. So if you can figure out off ball Ja, then it's it's less of an identity crisis for Ja, right? It doesn't put him in that position where he always has to try to figure out and think on the floor all the time. He can still be a part of the offense without it being super predictable, and you can still get the other guys involved too. Um, yeah. I saw a little bit of that in that Portland game, which is why I liked it. I don't know if that's something they'll develop on in the playoffs, but I sure hope so because if they can figure out just a couple of off-ball Ja plays that they can have as their go-to, like that's it. That's all she wrote because <laughs> it, it, it allows for Ja to still be that guy in some ways. It still, it still allows for him to still distribute the ball and get the other guys involved too. It's less predictable, gives you more versatility, and it's hard to take that away. 
Um, because sometimes John, when he's off the ball, he just kind of stands in the corner, man. He takes those plays off. Yeah, I pay attention yeah. to that. Uh, and if he could, if they could, if they could make it a point of emphasis, like they made it a point of emphasis with Dez to have him do something off ball, and he's not unwilling because he's I've seen him do it before. It's just not consistent. Um, man, they get that up and and props off. Yeah, I I'm glad you mentioned the the same in the corner thing because that that is not it. You know, but if you go back to Taylor Jenkins, the first year that Taylor Jenkins was a head coach for the Grizzlies, you you go back and you watch his offense. It seems like that is that he wants somebody parked in that corner at all times. Seems like there's always somebody there. There's always somebody there. His first year. When he was like he was handcuffed, we didn't get to see the full version of Dez. Dez was in that corner a lot. Brandon Clark. Yeah, and, and so like <laughs> yeah. it's it, you, you see that it seems like there's always at the beginning of this year John Conchar that was his spot that corner, and that that I is I, I know that that's you know analytics that's where you put the shot because that's the highest percentage three point shot is from that corner, but. Do something to get there, you know, run him out of that corner, run him off of a couple of screens. And if you free up enough space, Dez is more than capable of throwing a lob. If you run him off of a screen coming out of the corner and it frees him up to the baseline, mm-hmm. you get an easy bucket that way or, or yep. whatever, you know, there, there are a ton of different things that you can do that we haven't seen them do. And it's, if we have the brains enough to discuss this, you know that the coaching staff knows these things. We, you know, we, we have to see them do it, and and that is, it's crazy to me. I, I don't feel like we've dumped on this team the entire show. We've talked about some negative stuff. We talked about some positive, but as much negative as you can point out that has happened this year, and the holes that are in this team right now, like, can you ask to be in a better position? They're, they're they're right they're they're second in the west they didn't win as many games as last year they didn't have to win as many games as last year but if they if for whatever reason something clicks right here at the at the playoffs this is a season for them to make a run because the the west is wide open you know i as i'm looking at the standings in the west right now you look at 1 through 10 i think there are Three teams out of that ten that I don't think would, if if everything went right, I still don't think that they can win the championship. But seven out of those ten teams, if if things are clicking for them, they could represent the West this year. So this could very well be the year that we see the Grizzlies make a run to the finals. If the things that we're discussing here, they find a way to make this stuff click. I don't know if it'll happen. I hope it happens. I would love it if they made it to the finals. Never been to an NBA Finals game, and I would uh, definitely enjoy that. Yeah, man, I, I think it's wide open more than than any year. Like I, I think, like you said, most most of these teams in the West, there is some scenario that you could see that they make it to the Western Conference Finals or make it out of the West, and that's not usually the case. Usually, going to the playoffs, you could name four, probably four teams at max that that could probably get to the Western Conference Finals or get to the championship. That this could be the wildest playoffs ever. Because, I mean, the home court advantage doesn't necessarily mean as much. It's not like if if you're the, the two seed, like you're playing a seven seed, you could be playing the Warriors. 
uh, that, that won the championship last year, uh, possibly as a two seed. I mean, that's not likely, but it's the fact that there's a possibility with a couple games left is just wild. It's just something that we haven't seen. Uh, so I definitely think if this is a year where the Grizzlies could win a title, I, I, I didn't think that going into the season, uh, but my miscalculation was I – fit into the West been a lot better. The, the, the thought, thought going into this season was the West was going to be much improved, and it has not been that at all. I mean, you just look at the road record of all these teams. Like, nobody, none of these teams outside of Sacramento has really been been great on the road. Even Denver, the one seed, hasn't been fantastic on the road. They get out of the altitude, and they're not the same team, and they've been struggling down the stretch. I don't know if it's soft tanking or they just – I don't know what's going on with them. Michael Malone is kind of – They've had team meetings, and he said he's called them out, and nobody has responded. So I don't, I'm not sure what's going on with Denver. I got a feeling they'll, they'll turn it on in the playoffs, but I feel like this is the year for the Grizzlies um, that, that, that they could really do this if they can find themselves and, and, and get to playing their top basketball. Because as David said earlier in the show, I don't think we've seen them play their best basketball maybe maybe even all year. Um, and, and that says a lot for a team that, that's won 50 games with all the adversity that they've been through. I think we, we've been gone about an hour here. I don't really think I have much of, you know, there's a few games that we didn't cover. Guys, I, I apologize. It's just been, it's been a crazy year at work and just in general for us as a show, it seems like we've always got something going on from one or two of us at all times that, that have led to us kind of not having the coverage that, that we want. You know, last year we were on, pretty much every post game or at least, you know, if they were playing a two game series, we were doing it after that two game series. And that hasn't been the case this year. We will be here for playoff coverage as many games as we can get. But, uh, you know, it's not from, you know, we we want to be here, but there are things that are more important than, than the podcast, even though we enjoy doing this. So uh, do you guys got anything that you want to discuss before we get out of here? I got one thing. If you can, you have anything? No, I was just going to say they better beat these bucks tomorrow, but that's, that's all. <laughs> yeah, they, they better. Uh, but like, like nothing is given as we saw in that, that Portland game. Uh, yeah. I don't want to go in and say it's a hundred percent, man. They, they got to come out and play, man. Right? Yeah. As you say, they're, they're the NBA players. They're not just going to lay down, but I, what I, what I do want to say is, man, I want to give Dez his flowers uh, early in the season, even going back to the middle of the season, his maturation process as far as playmaking is just, night and day like you you were mentioned earlier about him the dance can make that law pass that's something that you wouldn't have said last year uh, i mean the downhill dance thing is just ridiculous like like i know teams are scouting this team but it's like they can't stop it like when he when he does he gets to the basket every single time like i, I he can do it over and over and like it's like nobody nobody can do anything about it and the way he finishes some of those because you look at those angles that he does like there's no way he's gonna finish that and he finds a way to finish it man it's a weapon like that is a big time weapon that, that for this team that they didn't have. Uh, so I, I just want to give him his flowers, man, that for his match racing process, just to stop from being more than a three point shooter, being a guy that can get in the paint and do that, can do some playmaking stuff for you. He's becoming more of a complete player. Um, and you look at his measurables, people talk about the short arms and stuff like that. I mean, he's really coming to his own, man, as an overall player, man. So shout out to Dez, man. You know he's putting in the work. He's out there playing with a, a split toe. Uh, so, man, he's been a war- warrior this year, man. So got to give Dez, Desmond Bain his flowers. Split toe putting Robert Covington on skates. Hey, put him on skates. <laughs> put him on skates. 
And that's and, and Rocco is a good defender too. He's so they made it to Crystal Palace, man. Yeah. <laughs> so the Warriors News put this stat out the other day, uh, actually yesterday, and they weren't doing this to obviously give Desmond Bain credit. They were doing it because Steph Curry is one and Jordan Poole is five. But the, it's a list of the top five players with the most points scored in the fourth quarter. Curry is one at 132. Anthony Davis, DeMar DeRozan are tied at 102. Curry had 132. 132. Anthony Davis, DeMar DeRozan, 102. Desmond Bain is fourth in the league at 100 points, and his, his true shooting percentage is 61.1 in the fourth quarter. So closing games is typically something that teams struggle with. The Grizzlies have three guys that are capable of closing there's no reason for them not to be able to close games. We'll, we'll, we'll see what happens in the playoffs. We appreciate you guys tuning in. We'll get out of here. You can get the show on Twitter at Ethos Grizzlies. I'm at NBA D Will 2 1. You can find me on Twitter at Candace H901. Isaac, take us home. Yeah, man. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. Um, as David said, go over to at Ethos Grizzlies. Give us a like and a follow. We definitely appreciate that. Um, and just excited for the playoffs, man. Ready to get this thing ramped up hopefully we'll get some good news on steven adams uh because he definitely brings a different dynamic for this team and uh, definitely hides that ceiling no question about that man so be nice to have a big kiwi back out there we'd love to see that so hopefully that's coming down the pike grizzlies take on the milwaukee bucks tomorrow night the sacramento looks like they're waving a white flag they're got a lot of guys their whole starting lineup i think is questionable um against golden state tomorrow night so that could could help twofold uh we grizzlies fans Except there's, there's a few that want to play the Warriors in the first round. That's not really what I want, especially with some questions with Adams and some different things going on. Uh, I, I don't really want to play them in the first round, but so you want to kind of see them possibly in their four or five matchup, keep them on the other side of the bracket. A win like tomorrow night could do wonders for that. Um, and also the Grizzlies win, Kings lose, lock up the two seed. So you can find me on Twitter at Isaac. <laughs> You find me. You can find me on Twitter at Isaac underscore underscore NBA I S A A C underscore underscore NBA. That we'll be back this weekend with a post game. Uh, looking back at that Bucks game and the Grizzlies have a finale on Sunday at OKC, which you hope you win the game tomorrow night so you can set everybody. OKC could be possibly playing for their playoff lives. They're battling Denver for that last spot at ten, so that could be an interesting game. Hopefully, the Grizzlies can just set some guys in that game and get ready for the playoffs. So. For Candace, for David, uh, I've been Isaac, and for next time, until next time, we're gone.